Thank you for joining me for today's Beast Watch News Update. News from the Internet's most comprehensive Bible prophecy news website, BeastWatchNews.com. I'm Kimberly Rogers Brown. From China to swamp creatures, there's something in it for almost everyone. Find out more about the depth of China's infiltration into U.S. security agencies, what the U.S. has and doesn't have in the way of self-protection. I will reveal China's next move and some surprises you may not know about in the COVID-slash-omnibus bill. But first... We have to wade into the White House and Washington Swamp. What in the world is going on there? President Donald Trump may be in the throes of internal betrayal. Here is a report from the Salt Lake Tribune which reported that a Friday night meeting at the White House was convened to discuss Trump's strategy to reverse his election loss to Biden. In the meeting, the idea of seizing voting machines in several states was raised by Sidney Powell and Michael Flynn. Multiple reports said the meeting got heated at times and devolved into a screaming match as White House aides pushed back on Powell and Flynn's suggestions on overturning the election. Byrne attacked several White House staffers, that's Patrick Byrne, for being insufficiently loyal to the president and he tweeted, for the first time in my life, I feel sorry for Donald Trump. He's standing up to his waist in snakes. Trust Rudy and Sidney only. Just last month, Byrne claimed he was funding an army of hackers and cyber sleuths who would prove that the election results were rigged by Democrats to help Biden win. The possibility of using the military to seize voting machines was floated by participants in the Friday meeting, it was reported. But Byrne disputed the claim that military intervention was discussed in the Friday meeting, calling that reporting a 100% fabrication. Now this is not the first time that Burns' orbit has intersected with Trump's. Earlier this year, Byrne claimed he was involved in a romantic relationship with Maria Butina, who was convicted of being a Russian agent. He said he pursued that relationship at the behest of businessman Warren Buffett and men in black. He later resigned from overstock after his claims rattled investors. And in case you don't know who Patrick Byrne is, let me tell you. He was the founder and CEO of Overstock.com. He was that until his Russian girlfriend, Maria Butina, entangled him in the FBI's investigation of Russian election interference. The company's CFO claimed that Burns' public problem was such a problem that the company could not get liability insurance. So Byrne resigned from the company on August 22, 2020, that he founded over two decades ago. Byrne knows a snake pit when he sees one, and he claims Donald Trump's White House is a snake pit. 
Burns' statements are verified in thenationalfile.com. It says the rift between members of the senior White House staff is now as public as it is wide. After CNN reported an Oval Office meeting between top Trump staffers, including Trump campaign attorney Matt Morgan, attorney Sidney Powell, and General Michael Flynn, the de facto leaders of the grassroots movement fighting for election integrity that allegedly included arguments over a possible voter fraud special counsel investigation and martial law to restore election integrity. Matt Morgan has previously been blamed for the campaign's lackluster initial handling of the numerous claims of election fraud in the early hours of Wednesday, November 4th. White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows and White House Counsel Pat Cipollone were present at the meeting and reportedly pushed back against the notion of naming Powell as special counsel to investigate the widespread evidence of mass voter fraud in the 2020 election. The conversation also included discussions on the possibility of enacting martial law to ensure election security, an idea that General Flynn suggested earlier this week on Newsmax. Some individuals in the room reportedly argued against it. Well, can Trump come out on top of this election debacle with his house divided this way? We shall see. Now we're going to talk about holding the bar. It has been alleged that William Barr, Bill Barr, was associated with Dominion voting systems between 2009 and 2018. My initial research thought I had uncovered something that would explain Barr's unexpected and inexplicable behavior toward Donald Trump over the election fraud, but digging deeper did not bear this out. The Dominion company that Barr was associated with and earned some of his millions from was not Dominion Voting Systems, but Dominion Energy. These are two different companies with similar names, and they are not connected to each other in any way, at least insofar as I can discover. Even Forbes magazine does not make distinction between Dominion Voting Systems and Dominion Energy. The article there just calls it Dominion. This causes confusion, which leads to conspiracy theories, and I don't pander in conspiracy theories. However, Barr still has a tenuous connection to Dominion Voting Systems through his former employer, Kirkland and Ellis Law Firm, which advised Staple Street Capital on the purchase of Dominion. This website, Political Moonshine, connects Bill Barr to Dominion Voting Systems through Kirkland and Ellis. Forbes reports that in 2017, Barr signed on to work with the law firm Kirkland and Ellis, which has an unusual connection to the Trump administration. The firm pays an estimated $8.4 million in annual rent to lease part of a San Francisco skyscraper in which President Trump owns a 30% stake. 
The Dominion Voting Systems sale to Staple Street Capital happened in 2018. Bill Barr became the U.S. Attorney General for the second time in 2019. He had become George H.W. Bush's AG in 1991, the first time. But this means that Barr was working at Kirkland and Ellis when the sale of Dominion voting systems occurred. But it does not mean that he was part of that deal. Now, I doubt his presence at the firm during this time is why he has acted so weirdly unless there is some undisclosed ties between him and Dominion or Staple Street or UBS, which sent big money to Dominion Voting Systems parent company Staple Street Capital before the election and which also has ties to China's intelligence and military agencies. UBS is tied to China. Three of its four United States board members are Chinese. Now, that starts to get into swampy water, all these connections. The problem is that these business connections can be made, but we know little about the personal connections between Barr and these people. Given his underhandedness against Trump, we can only surmise and assume that there is more to this than we can see because no one can see through swamp and sewage water. Political moonshine skirts very close to conspiracy theory but still shows who the people are that play in the election fraud swamp. Some or perhaps all of them are known to Trump or even to his circle of friends. Bill Barr, for instance, and the Carlisle Group, which is connected to Staple Street Capital. Trump sued Carlisle in 2010 over a real estate deal, but in 2016 met with Carlisle Group founder and CEO David Rubenstein at Mar-a-Lago. You know, I've said for years that the people at the top of the money game are the same ones who play in the swamp. Donald Trump is part of the same swamp as all the other upper echelon people. They are the deep state, and the deep state is nothing more than a traditional court intrigue, such as has always happened throughout history. Both ancient and modern quote-unquote courts, we, we now call them deep states, have always had factions split between upholding the quote-unquote king or destroying him. These split factions also have their own splits and intrigues, and the players move in and out of the factions by changing allegiances. It's so slippery in the world of politics that no one survives that swamp for long. Remember the Roman Emperor Caesar who was killed by his friend Brutus, a two Brute? What we are seeing in America today is nothing less than what has happened in the world's history all along. The thing is that when the depth of the political swamp becomes this deep and the sewage is floating around, the countries fail. 
invariably they fail. Where Bill Barr and his backing away from supporting Trump is concerned, we should keep in mind that Barr's political allegiances might have changed, or possibly that he never really was totally on board with Trump. It is true, though, that Dominion has ties to China through UBS, and Barr is tied to Dominion through his association with the deal made between Staple Street Capital and Dominion, which was overseen by Kirkland Ellis. Here are two more good articles. You can click this link and click this link. And you can go to this link about their global elite connections, which include the Bin Laden family. Now that name should sound familiar to you. But let's go on to the depth of the Chinese infiltration. It was learned this week which U.S. corporations the Chinese Communist Party has infiltrated from the top. It isn't only Democrats like Eric Swalwell and Republicans like Mitch McConnell that are closely tied to the CCP. However, the passing of the Holding Foreign Companies Accountable Act by Congress with bipartisan support in the summer is the ultimate weapon in combating the CCP's growing hegemonic global rule. It also sets in motion the beginning of a great decoupling that will undoubtedly morph into some sort of Cold War 2.0. President Trump just signed this act into law. The Holding Foreign Companies Accountable Act will require companies publicly listed on stock exchanges in the United States to declare that they are not owned or controlled by any foreign government. The Trump administration on December 21st published a list of 103 Chinese and Russian companies with military ties that restrict them from buying a wide range of U.S. goods and technology. 58 of those companies have direct ties to the CCP. The move establishes a new process to assist exporters in screening their customers for military end users. Hundreds of Chinese Communist Party members are embedded within the Chinese divisions of major U.S. corporations from IBM to PepsiCo to 3M. 3M, a manufacturer of consumer and healthcare goods, including N95 respirators and other medical products critical to preventing COVID-19 to spread, employs at least 230 CCP members within five party units. PepsiCo, the multinational snack and beverage company, has 45 employees listed under the company's party branch committee. Dow Chemical Company, one of the world's three largest chemical producers, lists 333, or I'm sorry, 337 CCP members in four party committees. 
other notable U.S. firms on the list include Weston Hotel and Resorts, owned by Marriott International, with 23 members. Analytics firm Nielsen Holdings has 94. Leading food company Mars Food has 14. And insurance provider MetLife has 31. Earlier media reports have also highlighted CCP members' presence at U.S. aerospace company Boeing, which employed at least 287 CCP members in 2016. That's concerning. And U.S. pharmaceutical giant Pfizer with at least 69 party members. I'll have a surprise about Pfizer and the CCP later on. The U.S. companies and party branches mentioned are by no means exhaustive. As of 2016, around 75,000 foreign businesses, accounting for over 70% of the roughly 106,000 foreign firms in China, have established party units, according to state-run media People's Daily. China's Communist Party only has about 92 million members out of its 1.39 billion citizens, or roughly 66%. And this brings me to Trump's statement that Russia was not the fire eye or solar winds hacker. Let's talk about that security breach. Trump has claimed the massive cyber hack that took place was being exaggerated by the media while putting blame on China, despite his Secretary of State saying the attack likely came from Russia. Last week, that's the same position I held. The cyber hack is far greater in the fake news media than in actuality, the president wrote in a tweet on Thursday, adding, I have been fully briefed and everything is well under control. Mr. Trump went on to say that Russia was the priority chant in the media because they are petrified of discussing the possibility that it may be China, and it may, he wrote, You have to ask yourself, why would the fake media, the very same media Americans relied on for truth until the last four years, want to exaggerate the extent of the hack and then blame it on Russia? Well, first, they want to keep you from knowing that it is their own CCP Communist Chinese Party, the one that now supports their efforts to do this coup that is going on in America right now, who is behind the wrecking ball. And second, they can make it appear that Trump does not have control of the situation. But Trump also tweeted, there could also have been a hit on our ridiculous voting machines during the election, which is now obvious that I won big, making it an even more corrupted embarrassment for the USA. And of course, Trump's statement flies in the face of Mike Pompeo's contention that Russia is behind the cyber attacks. So is Mike Pompeo simply buying what he is being fed by the swamp creatures? Or is he also a swamp creature? One of those snakes in the pit that Patrick Byrne warned about, is Mike Pompeo one of those?
I said last week that it does not make sense to place the entire blame for the cyber attacks on Russia alone. China is also most likely involved and could be the instigator. Here is an article from G News. It is a website directed to the Chinese people from the United States. The the site rather is published by Miles Guo. Now here's some information about Guo before I go to the article. He was born in China on October 5th, 1968, and his given name is Guo Wenwei. But he also goes by the names Guo Wenwei, Guo Haoyun, Miles Guo, and Miles Kwok. Guo is an exiled Chinese billionaire businessman who became a political activist and controls Beijing Zenith Holdings via proxy people Li Lin and Jiang Yuwa and other assets as well. At the peak of his career, he was 73rd among the richest in China. Guo was accused of corruption and other misdeeds by Chinese authorities and fled to the United States in late 2014 after learning he was going to be arrested under allegations including bribing, kidnapping, money laundering, fraud, and rape. Guo is a now colleague of Steve Bannon of the War Room and a member of U.S. President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago Resort in Florida. So Guo claims to be a whistleblower, but some of his statements have been unable to be verified by newspapers such as the New York Times. Of course, you know, they're biased. They don't want to hear something that's against China. Between 2018 and 2020, Guo launched two media projects with Bannon, G News, and GTV Media Group. Huh. So Trump's China connection has a Chinese dissident. (laughs) That's interesting. Now I came across his website, G News, recently. It seems that he has an outreach to the world and the Chinese people about the dangers of communism and communist China. This G News article illustrates the struggles of the Chinese people. It says to my dear Chinese compatriots, in China today there are very few people who can see the truth about what is happening in the world. In this world, only China, Iran, and North Korea have firewalls or censorship systems. Let's address this firewall situation. I'm not talking here about censorship systems, but actual firewalls, protection systems. The firewalls that China, Iran, and North Korea have are censorship systems, but they also protect their internet. Okay, so this is not written in the script, so I'll have to go back and put it in there later on, I guess. From medium.com we read, Why does the U.S. government not have a U.S. firewall for its citizens and businesses? Talking about internet firewall. Why does the U.S. government do absolutely nothing to protect the digital assets of its country? Weird, isn't it? 
almost inexplicable, Medium says. Well, <laughs> almost inexplicable does not come close. Stupid is more like it. I didn't know, and probably most Americans don't know, that the United States digital systems are unprotected via a firewall, although the U.S. developed a weak one in 2003, but instead of building a strong governmental firewall system, digital security is delegated to civilian companies like FireEye and SolarWinds. Given the fact that nearly every other country, whether we like them or not, is buying American-built technology to create their own countrywide firewalls, why don't we build one for the U.S.? We build a firewall, and anyone from outside the U.S. who wants through it has to register with a federal agency. Maybe we have partnerships with other countries, such as the UK, who would be required to adhere to certain vetting requirements and bridge the two firewall. Part of the DHS presentation this author just watched showed a real-time video of a number of cyber attacks per second with their source and destination shown as lines like from the old video game Missile Command. I never played that, so I don't know what that looked like. You only need to look at one of these to see the obvious, though. Everyone is attacking the U.S. Why? Because we have no government protection, no government retaliation, and security is up to individuals. It's like the Wild West, says Medium.com. So now, back to G News, where this author continues. What you, the Chinese people, can see in the news is controlled. And you don't see any objections in the news. You can't see both sides of the story. You can't see what's being said outside the walls, and you can't verify it. One of the arguments against a U.S. firewall was just this scenario where the people can't get to the news outside the country. But guess what? You already have that without a firewall in this new mainstream media. What this author is talking about is a national firewall that protects citizens from outside influence. The U.S. government doesn't need to control the public Internet, but it does need to control its own Internet network instead of parsing the job of security out to private firms. A firewalled public Internet would keep people like me from going outside the U.S. to other nations' media websites now to get information that is not controlled by the CCP's U.S. major media. That is not what the U.S. needs. But the people can be protected by a U.S. government firewall without taking away the freedoms of the people by simply protecting its own cyberspace.
President Trump started the United States down this road in 2017 and made moves in this direction in August 2020 after the TikTok and Huawei conflicts in which these companies' raison d'etre was to gather information on all kinds of things from private U.S. citizens to major corporations and the U.S. government. Now, back to G News. Disaster is coming, says the article, for the uninformed Chinese people. The economy you see inside the wall is thriving. It's all an illusion. The Chinese Communist Party has exposed itself this time by plotting the U.S. election fraud. Initially, the U.S. authorities didn't believe Mr. Guo Wengui's disclosure of CCP's conspiracy until, one by one, Mr. Guo's warnings proved to be correct. Dr. Li Mingyan of the University of Hong Kong also came forward to prove the truth of the virus she discovered before December 31, 2019, and that the new virus can be transmitted from human to human. Communist China is engaged in military-civilian integration, building missile silos and nuclear power plants in densely inhabited districts to remind foreigners that you must kill tens of millions of civilians first if you want to fight. Even the spokesperson of the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, Hua Chunying, has been spouting nonsense every day. She says every day that the U.S. interferes in China's internal affairs, restricts the entry and exit of CCP members, and that each time it oppresses China, it makes the Chinese people more united and more supportive of the CCP. And the U.S. is fighting against the 1.4 billion Chinese who represent one-fifth of the world's population. The CCP has kidnapped all of the Chinese Lao Beijing, the common people. We, the people, are being represented by the MFA so that Americans might think that 1.4 billion Chinese are equivalent to the CCP. We must let the world know. Let them know that the CCP does not represent the entire Chinese people. The CCP intends to have the entire Chinese people buried with it. Anonymous sources coming from the top CCP leaders say Xi Jinping will wage war against Taiwan in order to divert attention and prolong his rule. The U.S. says that if the CCP dares to touch Taiwan, it will carry out targeted killing to Xi Jinping and other top officials. Xi Jinping's response was, if I was targeted, I would drop all Chinese nuclear bombs on the United States. The author goes on to say that China is experiencing a real estate bubble and few farmers are still willing to farm because they can't get a sustainable price for their grain, enough to cover the costs of farming. The minimum wage increase there has just been announced, and before it is implemented, prices immediately rise, and no one can stop it. 
My dear brothers and sisters, compatriots and fellow fighters, the CCP has done so many evils, we have to rescue the innocent people. Don't think it's not your business. Don't look down at yourself as nothing. Think about all the patriots who sacrificed their lives for freedom and democracy in Tiananmen Square protests. Thanks to the whistleblower movement led by Mr. Guo Wing Wee to let the whole world know the true face of CCP. Let us destroy the CCP together. Follow the whistleblower movement and follow the new federal state of China. This is the only way to save the face of the Chinese people that was destroyed by the communists. Let us be the new Chinese. So you see, the Chinese are having their own internal war. And this war has been going on since the 1940s when China was conquered by communism. But not only have Americans not known this, but few Americans care about what goes on outside of America. That has to change because the global reality has been thrust on everyone everywhere. An ongoing internal struggle is the coming reality for America too, regardless if Trump or Biden wins. The U.S. public is divided between two factions now. And one important reason Trump clamped down clamped down rather on China this week is because of technology companies that export to China. China had been counting on its biggest chip maker to make the country eventually reduce its reliance on the likes of Intel and Samsung. The United States just put those ambitions in jeopardy. Washington announced Friday that it will require U.S. exporters to apply for a license before they can sell to Semiconductor Manufacturing International Corporation, SMIC. The international company, SMIC, is headquartered in Shanghai and incorporated in the Cayman Islands. The U.S. government claims that the chip maker can use its tech to help China modernize its armed forces and says it has no relationship with the Chinese military. But SMIC complained that the new U.S. rules will have a material adverse effect on its ability to develop highly advanced chips. Now this CNN business article says that this will hinder SMIC on the global market. How? By making them have to do better and be more innovative in their quest for other global customers instead of relying solely on China to buy their products? SMIC is that lazy that they don't want to develop other customers so they'll just complain that the loss of China as a customer will curtail their ability to develop other tech products? Well, why, why? But now the Europeans are complaining too. And they have as much to lose by China taking over the globe for communism as Americans do. 
European tech executives and diplomats are accusing the U.S. of using its sanctions regime to shut them out of the Chinese market while offering exemptions for American companies. One European tech executive said their company had once been stopped from supplying components to Chinese buyers because of suspicions that they could be used for military purposes. But the market for the components was quickly filled by U.S. vendors selling through middlemen, the executive claimed. Well, that nonsense has to stop. For Trump's China ban to work, U.S. companies must not become middlemen making deals for China as brokers. EU Foreign Minister Joseph Burrell earlier this year also referred to the pressure to align with either the U.S. or China and instead advocated the Sinatra Doctrine, writing in a blog post, We as Europeans have to do it my way. When it comes to China, the U.S.'s priorities at present, at present, rather, are security, security, security. European governments care about other things, market access, standard setting. Mr. Wutke said one of the biggest challenges was for Europe's car industry, which relies on U.S. technology for its smart and autonomous cars. The world's biggest market for both car manufacturing and sales is in China. They are now wondering how to manufacture in China without semiconductors from the U.S., anticipating that the U.S. will stop them exporting certain types of chips to China, added Mr. Wutke. Now we're going to look at U.S., China, and Pacific tensions. Newsweek reports that Taiwan has claimed that China is backing private investment in Pacific undersea cable networks as a way to spy on foreign nations and steal data from its rivals following a report this week that the U.S. is warning Pacific nations against awarding cable contracts to Chinese state-linked firms. Taiwan Foreign Ministry spokesperson Joanne Wu told Newsweek on Friday that China is planning to monopolize Pacific information and communications networks as a means to snoop on other nations and steal valuable information and data. Reuters reported on Thursday that the U.S. government is concerned about possible Chinese involvement in the Kiribati Connectivity Project, KCP, which will improve connection to the small islands nations of Kiribati, Nauru, and the Federated States of Micronesia. The KCP cables are also planned to connect to the Hantru One network that serves Guam, the U.S. Pacific Territory, that has significant strategic value given its proximity to China, North Korea, and the rest of East Asia, and a significant military presence. Reuters has said the U.S. has sent warnings to the Pacific nations of the Federated States of Micronesia and Nauru about the bid from Huawei Marine and that Huawei Marine and other Chinese firms are required to cooperate with Beijing's intelligence and security services.
U.S. officials have repeatedly framed large Chinese companies as arms of the Chinese Communist Party. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, for example, has repeatedly referred to Huawei and others as Trojan horses for Beijing. We believe countries need to be able to trust that their vendors will not threaten their national security, privacy, or intellectual property. Trust cannot exist where companies such as Huawei or Huawei Marine are subject to an authoritarian government such as the CCP. And now, in other news... The U.S. COVID nearly 5,600-page relief bill that was put on the desks of congressmen with only two hours to go through was created with more stuff for everyone else than for the actual Americans who need the money. Now, Trump was unhappy with the 600 one-off payment to Americans, saying it should have been 2,000. It's called the COVID relief bill, but it has almost nothing to do with COVID, Trump said. The bill has more aid to other countries than it does for Americans. $85.5 million for assistance to Cambodia, 134 to Burma, $1.3 billion for Egypt and the Egyptian military, which will go out and buy almost exclusively Russian military equipment. 25 million for democracy and gender programs in Pakistan. I'm going to go over these again a bit later. 505 million to Belize, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua, and Panama. We're going to find out why they put this pork in this bill in just a little bit. Tibet also will benefit from the package through the new Tibet Policy and Support Act, which was tucked neatly inside the bill. It also includes $500 million for Israel and $696 billion more for the Pentagon. As I said, in reality, everybody gets something regardless of the needs of real Americans bill. But there is something more going on with all of this foreign aid spending. Hang on. I'm going to take you to Michelle Malkin's article titled, The Abominable America Last Porculus. This article says, Then there's Israel, which raked in $500 million in military aid. Plus 250 million to invest in people to people exchanges among Palestinians, Israelis and Americans. 5 million for refugee resettlement. 2 million for cooperative COVID-19 health research. 2 million for sustainability research. 4 million for the U.S. Israel Center of Excellence in Energy and Water. 2 million for cooperative energy programs. 2 million for U.S. Israel border security programs and 2 million for strategic dialogue among the U.S., Israel, Greece, and Cyprus. Why all this money for Israel? And there's still more money coming for the Middle East. So why all this money going for Israel and the Middle East? Could it be to put glitter on the Abraham Accord to attract other nations in the Middle East to the Abraham Accord? 
This half billion dollar gift to Israel, one of the world's wealthiest nations with universal health care and highly subsidized higher education, comes on top of the 3.8 billion in foreign aid already allocated to the country this month through the National Defense Authorization Act which also included 3.3 billion dollars for security assistance 500 million for missile defense 47.5 million for anti-tunnel technology and 25 million for anti-drone aerial systems thousands of miles away to protect them not us included in the bill there is 165 billion to Jordan for foreign military financing and other assistance 700 million in economic aid to Sudan for global health and transition 40 million to Syria for economic support drug control and law enforcement and emergency medical and rescue response 1.3 billion to Egypt for economic support and higher education I'm going to repeat some of that later on and tell you what that's about these are all nations in close proximity to Israel Jordan and Sudan are now in treaties with Israel the 40 million to Syria is a token amount just to make this spending look equitable and non-political and then you have 453 million to Ukraine possibly to keep Ukraine in Europe's and the US pocket should war with Russia slash China break out 241 million for Tunisia 132 million for assistance for Georgia you know Georgia could be militarily strategic for the US should there be a war with Russia it is a transcontinental country in the Caucasus region of Eurasia located at the crossroads of Western Asia and Eastern Europe it is bounded to the west by the Black Sea to the north by Russia to the east by Azerbaijan and to the south by Armenia and Turkey there is spending for Cambodia Vietnam and Bangladesh all US allies which will be needed if a Chinese war front opens up in Asia also for the Caribbean Basin Security Initiative Colombia and Venezuela that Caribbean Basin Security Initiative I believe involves all those Costa Rica and Guatemala you know the Central American countries these countries are being bought off by the US because they are heavily invested in China's Latin America Belt and Road Initiative the US government is trying to buy loyalty in the face of the coming military conflict with China the Middle East will be heavily hit through the Iran plus two coalition the two being Russia and China even Democrats can see a big train when it's coming many of them may have cozied up to China but they're also not stupid 
My hunch is that they see the possibility of trouble and are buying future friends. This could enhance the attraction for those who want to be in alliance with Israel and the United States. But that IT need for cybersecurity that I talked about earlier, you know, where we don't have a firewall, you know, no firewall, let me just type that in there, no firewall, nope, there's nothing in this bill for that, there's nothing in there to protect the U.S., in fact, IT is the big loser in this bill, better help and protect everyone else than Americans, I guess, if that's what you're trying to do. If you can tell that I'm spitting mad over this, you're right. And I'll tell you uh, in a little bit of more about my current conniption fit. It's something you'll need to hear. I have some things to say at the end of all this. <clears throat> the bill also has $1.4 trillion spending uh, measure to fund federal agencies for the next nine months. The $600 is half the sum provided by the last major coronavirus aid bill from last March, which contained $2.4 trillion in economic relief. The bill also bans surprise medical billing, where hospital patients get slapped with often exorbitant stealth fees because they were treated by a doctor who was not covered by their health insurance. But... After poring over the mammoth legislation, journalists and critics have highlighted a string of alleged giveaways for lobbyists. The package contains $110 billion in tax breaks for sectors such as the liquor industry and motorsports entertainment. Monday's package extends federal jobless benefits of up to 300 per week for 11 weeks, although, again, this is half the amount provided by the previous bill. The package contains $25 billion in rental aid and extends an eviction moratorium that was due to expire at the end of this month, which is a lifeline for millions of Americans. Trump asked Congress to increase the payment to Americans to 2000 for singles or 4000 for a couple. It appears this morning, and I haven't typed it in here, that the Congress is amenable to that idea. Now, speaking of Israel, those borders are now closed to all foreign visitors on the premise that a new mutated strain of COVID is about to spread around the world. Now, I wonder how they know this, since they're saying the PCR test doesn't accurately detect the new strain. Well, thank you for my friend Rick, who asked this pertinent question that I'm repeating now. Well, I guess the authorities will explain it to us nincompoops at some point. For Israel, this is an easy way to begin making the religious state into a Jewish-only haven. Iran has been busy hacking Israel while China and Russia were hacking the U.S. Operation Quick Sand started in October and has hit 80 Israeli firms. You have heard me say this repeatedly, but I will say it again. What happens in the U.S. happens in Israel. And what happens in Israel happens in the U.S. 
These two sisters are prophesied about in scripture in Ezekiel 23 and they are also called mother and daughter in Jeremiah 50 and 51. But just like the U.S. who is not all sweet and innocence in the China mess, Israel also hacked Iran. Last May, Israel hacked Iran's port. Haaret said the attack was highly accurate and the damage to the Iranian port was more serious than described in official Iranian accounts. The fact that the China-Russia hacking was going on in the U.S. at the same time that Iran was hacking Israel tells me that these three nations were working in concert. All right, now we're going to talk about COVID. I'm going to talk about a picture of a vaccine package that I received from a friend showing that Pfizer's vaccine is made in China. You see this down here? See, this is made in China. But wait, this package says it's a vaporizer cartridge. So, vaping is not Pfizer's delivery method. So what is going on here? Well, um, IB Times, I researched this, and IB Times says that uh, more than a week after Pfizer rolled out its injectable COVID-19 vaccine, a fake claim suggesting that a vape vaccine was rolled out by the pharma giant went viral on the internet. Images of freshly packed vaccine termed vaporizer cartridge was shared multiple times on various social media platforms. The viral image of the fake product shows a liquid-filled cartridge in a neatly sealed pack using Pfizer's logo. And the single-dose vaccine cartridge to be used is an electric cigarette and is inhaled as a vapor. The package clearly states that the uh, cartridge is carrying one milliliter dose of coronavirus vaccine. Now, the package carries the Pfizer logo, but it mentions the pharma giant as the makers of the boner pill. That's what Pfizer is known for. The vape vaccine is made in China, as mentioned on the pack, but the real vaccine is being made using Pfizer and BioNTech's combined manufacturing network in Germany, Belgium, and the United States. The Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine is injected. It's not vaped. It is injected into the upper arm and it's given as two doses 21 days apart. It is not vaped. The swamp, believe me, doesn't just exist in the upper echelon court intrigues, you know, Washington and Beijing right now. It's right down here swamping John Q. Public too. You know, get out of the swamp. Babylon is the swamp, folks. So now we're going to talk about the barcode. Okay, someone named Andrew Yang is calling for people who get vaccinated to be barcoded, according to Summit News. 
And who is Andrew Yang? Why does he have uh, any authority to call for such things? Oh, well, he's just a second generation Taiwanese man who ran for American president in 2020. Being Taiwanese and all, and second generation American and all, he's familiar with both communism and democracy. Yep, it appears he prefers to make people wards of the state through identification, similar to the German tattooing of Jews in the 1930s, only through your phone. He called for people to be required to prove that they've been vaccinated before entering venues by showing a barcode in their phones. He says, is there a way for someone to easily show they've been vaccinated like a barcode they can download to their phone? There ought to be, he said. He you know, just his opinion. He thinks everybody needs to, you know, know everybody else's business. Yang suggested that people could also be given bracelets before they're allowed to interact more freely, while also suggesting those who don't take the vaccine be denied entry to sports games and other events. Tough to have mass gatherings like concerts or ball games without either mass adoption of the vaccine or a means of signaling, said Yang. So the consensus among respondents to Yang's tweets was far from positive. Every time something like this is suggested, it sounds exactly like putting serial numbers on forearms or yellow cloth stars on your chest. I usually respect you, but you need to chill, said one person. If this is the kind of world you're truly advocating for, I hope you never gain power, added another. How about a barcode we can print onto our arms or the back of our necks, asked Ian Miles Chong. Yeah, I'm beginning to get suspicious of these Asian folks. They're probably like the ancient Israelites, you know. Yahweh could get them out of Egypt, but he couldn't get Egypt out of them. Do you see how easy it is for America to change from what Yahweh intended it to be to what it is now? A country where more babies are killed in the womb than anywhere else on earth. Homosexuals thrust their abominations in your face, and yes, pun intended. And now they're trying to change the English language to accommodate their abomination. A place where defending yourself will get you in hot water rather than the one coming to harm or kill you and where some in the government want to turn the U.S. into a Chinese communist nation because they hate democracy so much. My earlier conniption fit that I talked about is calmed down now. Injustice does that to me. This past week, though, I was praying about what is happening in America. There is so much news that I barely know where to start each week. And this has been going on for a few months now since this COVID thing started. I rely on his spirit to tell me what I need to be telling you. 
and I thank him for helping me to report what he wants me to say. Otherwise, I'm telling you, I could not put this together. It, it just would not come out this way. And I asked him one night when I was going to sleep this past week what I needed to tell you. And then I started to go to sleep. Within a few minutes, I heard these words. Clear as a bell. Tell them this world is not my kingdom. In other words, the time has come. Separate yourself from the systems that are fighting with each other for supremacy. You know, the, the Western system and the Eastern system. Yeshua is separating his sheep from those systems. He's not separating them according to conservative and liberal lines, uh, religious and non-religious. It has nothing to do with it. He's separating people out of those systems. Right now, conservatives are confusing religion and patriotism. And liberals are confusing happiness with there being no God to tell them what to do. Americans are looking for the republic, as they call it, to be cleansed of the corruption. But it will not be cleansed. Instead, America and her Western allies will be destroyed along with the Chinese system. Come out of her, my people, Revelation 18.4, that you be not partakers of her sins and that you receive not of her plagues. Listen, this is not your fight anymore. You have to step away from the danger zone. Any intervention on your part now should only be to bring people into Yeshua's kingdom. To get them away from the religious and political and war chaos. Come out with your heart toward the kingdom of biblical Israel. And get your body away from the target of destruction. Be blessed. That's it for this Beast Watch News update. This is Kimberly Rogers Brown signing off. Click over to BeastWatchNews.com for full comprehensive coverage of all the headlines fulfilling end of days Bible prophecy.